All right, welcome back uh, to Cover 3 Sports with uh, Matt, David, and Nick. Uh, say what's up, guys. What's up? How's it going? This week on Cover 3 Sports, we're going to be um, uh, covering quite a few uh, t- different topics topics here for Super Bowl weekend. But before we do uh, get started, I just want to uh, um, throw out to the listeners there that, you know, head on to Spotify and, you know, give us a five-star rating if you could. We'd appreciate it. Uh, and if you have any questions uh, that you want to send in to us or any comments or shoot, just anything really, and, and you know, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast on an episode, on a future episode. Uh, but the email is cover three sports and the number three is spelled out and that's at gmail.com. I believe that's correct. Right, Matt? That is correct. So cover three sports, the three is spelled out at gmail.com. And like I said, yep, uh, feel free to send us an email, whether it be a shout out say that you hate one of us or all of us or you know who your favorite is we know it's it's probably nick because nick's very uh corporate nick very very corporate um <laughs> what are you talking about, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no today what we're going to be going over um is so the nfl honors recap uh we have a new segment called going deep with nick which doesn't sound weird at all um <laughs> then uh, <laughs> it, it's more of a, a, a tip of the cap to the deep dive that people do for research for those out there uh, with dirty minds, you sickos. Um, anyway, uh, the next thing will be Super Bowl preview and picks, of course. And then, of course, our regular segment of quick takes at the end of the episode. So uh, let's go ahead and get started. Um, so NFL Honors recap. Did you guys get a chance to, uh, really, to watch that? Really quick, before we jump oh. into the award, I did want to throw out there. You know, uh, we've been doing this pod for for a little while now. You know, we've got quite a few episodes out. It feels like, and our uh, our viewership has definitely been growing. And we've been talking about it every week. The one thing I feel like that we want and we want to incorporate is that's still lacking is that email stuff, right? So if you guys who are listening, and I know that you're listening because I see the information, I get feedback from uh, Spotify and who's watching. We appreciate all that, but we want to get people engaged. We want to bring people into this. So we want your thoughts. Yes. Yeah. We want to be challenged, to be debated, yeah. to be hated on. Shoot, if you if you really reach out and you're interested, we'll bring you on as a as a guest and we'll let you be on our one of our podcasts. Oh dang. We just want people engaged. Absolutely. All right, all right go ahead, David. We're gonna do what? Awards? So yeah, we go with uh, awards uh, first and foremost, and I guess we'll just start with the uh, the most coveted award of the NFL season, which <laughs> is the most well short of the Super Bowl trophy, of course, um, <laughs> is the most valuable player. So the Associated Press most valuable most valuable player award uh, was awarded to drum roll please, Patrick Mahomes, quarterback, Kansas City Chiefs. So Mahomes got uh, got the got the uh, the win there. Uh, second place was uh, Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts, and third place was quarterback Josh Allen, uh, with Burrow and Jefferson falling up behind them, uh, respectively. So, what do you guys think uh, between Mahomes and Hurts? You think they got it right? I, I think they did. Um, I mean, I I think either one. It's kind of like the Super Bowl we're going to talk about. I think they're pretty close. Uh, I think Mahomes, I mean, I'm always worried when a young guy wins an MVP early. You know, it seems like you expect more than an MVP performance for him to win it again later. 
I kind of felt like he was always the guy that was kind of undersold in this race until the end, you know, but um, I, I think he did enough. You look at his stats, they're legit. Well, I think they're legit, but also I think Mahomes, I mean, he really took the team on his back this year. I mean, even with the injuries that they've had at receiver, uh, even with uh, injuries at running back as well. Mind you, I mean, the emergence of uh, Isaiah Pacheco, I mean, that's why they drafted him. I mean, did Amet really helped out the offense for sure. But, right. I mean, as Mahomes does, I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs offense go, stop, starts and, and stops with Patrick Mahomes, you know. Right. But How many people thought Tyreek was going to be a huge loss for this team? You know, I, I, I'll admit it. Uh, I'll eat crow. I mean, I was one of those people like that, thought that I thought they'd still be the Chiefs and they'd still be great with Andy Reid, of course, you know, uh, running that offense uh, and, you know, and doing the X's and O's and everything, of course. But I thought that it would be there would be an, that there would be an effect. And, and I think to a certain extent there has been. But at the same time, I mean, there hasn't. I mean, it's great to have Tyreek Hill, you know, as that guy that can cut, take the top off of a defense. But I mean, they have they have the guys that the way they address it in free agency with getting Juju Smith Schuster, um, with getting uh, Marcus Valdez Scantling. I mean, there's guys that they've they've put in there, and, and oh, and trading for Kadarius Tony. I mean, there's got so there's yeah. guys that they've gotten uh, to uh, to help supplement the offense to, to give you know to if, and if anything, it makes I think it makes uh, Mahomes you know that much better. I mean, obviously Kelsey's gonna always get, gonna be his guy. I mean, there's no question. Um, but to have, you know, more options to throw to you or, or being forced to like, you know, spread yourself out more. I mean, that's huge. That's, that's a great, uh, especially for a young, for a young guy like Mahomes, uh, to be put in that position, uh, which is crazy. I mean, he, what is he? 27 years old, right? 27. I think yeah. is how old he is. And, I, think that's uh, right. I mean, 27 years old and two MVPs already. I mean, that's pretty, yeah. that's very impressive. I mean, there's no question. Hey, and one thing, Nick, or not Nick, sorry, David, uh, when I when you were introing this, you talked about the MVP being the second most coveted award, right, right. in the NFL? Unless you're Aaron Rodgers. He's still playing for MVPs, right? Oh, uh, whatever. He wants a ring, <laughs> man. It's all about the ring. It's not what he said. He said he still could compete for an MVP. He said he could still compete for one. It's not saying that's what he wanted most of all. He wants oh, a ring. Okay. My bad. See that, folks, in podcast pros, calling taking something out of context. (laughs) No, no, no. I I think that was that's where he went. So I just no. That's that's the the Rob Gronkowski's of the world, basically throwing out there, (laughs) calling calling him out like that because that's not what he said. He said that he that he feels like he could play at that level to compete for it. Yes, and be and be that much uh, that important to an offense and be a pivotal player still in the league. Not to mean mean I was like, oh yeah, I don't give a crap about anything else, but I just winning awards he wants well, to he, win the super bowl that's he, at this point he didn't he can compete to win a super bowl anymore he said he can compete for an mvp so just throwing that out there yeah whatever you don't need to digress there my bad my bad okay what was next or i guess nick did you have oh, thoughts nick. well i don't even know why this is a hot topic for the nfl i mean <laughs> they are notorious for you know you give it to the veteran yeah and when you look at both players, um, Patrick Mahomes played 17 games. Jalen Hurts played only 15. And if there's one thing that the NFL determines in whether you're good or great, is it availability? Yeah. <laughs> if you're on the field, and he he wasn't. And he's a young guy. It's his first explosive year. And while he's an amazing runner – and uses that as a part of his game. He does have 
an outstanding wide receiver. He does have a great slot receiver uh, that can be in motion and everything else. But I think their scheme, which does kind of hurt hurts in this way, um, <laughs> I think that's a, that's a hindrance for him. I mean, Mahomes has 67% completion to 66, so they're close there. Um, but you're looking at 22 passing touchdowns to 41. And I, I don't know about you guys, but how many guys threw over 40 touchdowns this year? <laughs> um, not very many, right? <laughs> yeah. So to me, it's it's they're going to give it to the veteran. They're going to give it to the guy that has the more passing, you know, uh, dominance of the two. Hertz played two less games than he did. Um, their rating was 105 Mahomes, 101 uh, to Hertz. I mean, it's it's it doesn't. Uh, you know, Hertz may be the better player to bring success to his team. That's you can debate that if people want to, but um, I think on pure numbers, when you look at it and you're just like, "Oh man, 41 touchdowns to 12 interceptions," I'll take that over 22 passing touchdowns and six interceptions. Like it just it seems on the surface that you'd be like, "Oh, that's a game manager where this guy is like the leader." you know, throwing the ball type of thing. I mean, he threw it 648 times to 460 for Hertz. And, <laughs> and so I just, to me, I didn't know why this was a debate. They're going to look at the, the glaringly obvious stats and then kind of go with that. They're not going to rock the boat and go with no, a, not a unless, baby. In, not it's like obvious, right? Statistically. Yeah. And to, and to me, he would have to be so much closer passing wise uh, and, and have a far superior completion percentage and all those kind of big stats that they kind of look at. Um, he'd have to have that in the same amount of games. But to me, as soon as like when he, these two were like debated or they had three, I was like, he played 15 games compared to 17. Like they're not yeah. there. It's an easy way out. They both yeah. played great. They're both in the Super Bowl. They both are the leaders of their team. They took huge step forwards, one without his lead wide receiver, the other one with being turning himself into a franchise quarterback after being drafted. It, yeah. it just it comes down to, oh, he played 15 games. All right, well, let's give it to the veteran. You know, yep. he had yep. solid numbers. He did everything he was supposed to do. He's in the Super Bowl. Okay, box check. And I will say the only other thing I think that really separated him, because I do think they were closer maybe – pre-injury for Jalen Hurts. Yeah. But I'd yeah. say the end of the season slash the playoffs, Jalen Hurts has done enough, but it's not like he's lit the world on fire there either. You know, his accuracy has been a little bit less uh, on the spot in the playoffs. And so I think that hurt him too. I think I think you would have had to play that high, whereas Mahomes, like last time Mahomes was on the field, he's playing in a high ankle sprain and he leads his team in, you know, that – that adds to the narrative too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing is it's it's kind of like you know what have you done for me lately? You know, I mean, hurts. <laughs> you didn't see him at the end of the season. Philadelphia was so dominant that they were like, well, let's just rest him. Like that was the conversation. They're like, you know what? Maybe we should rest him for like three, four games, and then bring him back the last game of the season just to kind of get his feet wet again before we roll into the playoffs. Uh, 
that was the kind of the conversation because Philadelphia had had such a dominant lead in standings and everything else. So to me, it's it's you know, you know, it's you you give them a, a nod of the cap to Hertz. You kind of say you know next year do it the whole year, and uh, and we can you know we can award it to you next year. Yeah. But yeah. This year, Patrick Mahomes, he was available, and he put up the stats. So. You know, you got to crown him that. Yep, I agree. Yeah. All right, what's next? All right, next on the list, then, we've got Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, goes to J- uh, wide receiver Justin Jefferson for the Vikings. Uh, second place was Patrick Mahomes. Third was Jalen Hurts. And fourth was Tyreek Hill with the Dolphins. So, Justin, Jeff- Justin Jefferson, Offensive Player of the Year. So I will say this. Um, I've got no problem with this one either. Uh, I don't need to spend too much time on it. It is interesting to me, like, when you when you do off-season awards, right? So if you win MVP, you're taken out of the pot, right? So really, Justin Jefferson to um, Jalen Hurts, to me, is the question, right? If Jalen Hurts was your number two in the MVP. Right. I don't have a problem with Justin Jefferson knocking Jalen Hurts out of that. I mean, they're close again, but... He had a great year. He really did. I mean, there's, I, I mean, he was at, at times uh, like uncoverable. It felt like kind of deal, but I mean, obviously, except against he, the Packers, except against the Packers, <laughs> uh, the second time we played him. The first time he definitely, he definitely took care of business. There's no question. But we That's proved true. It was a, we proved it was a fluke. So you know, anyway, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, but but no, I, I don't have any problem with it. I mean, Jefferson had a great year. There's no, I mean. Rock and roll to him, I guess. That's totally cool. Yep. Nick? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're the offensive coordinator that went there that came from um, the St. The St. Louis Rams. Uh, I mean, Did you call them the St. Louis Rams? Did Damn. I? Oh, man, Freudian slip there. They wow. haven't been that for a while. My, my bad. My bad. That's <laughs> an old name, guys. I'm showing my age here. No, like when he when when he turned um, the wide receiver there, dang the now the Florida Floridian slope is like my mind went blank. What's uh what's Justin the wide receiver? No, no, the wide receiver from oh the Rams, uh, Cup, Cup. What he turned into and of uh, crazy motion, crazy matchups and everything. What, I mean, which was outstanding with them when he moved on to the Vikings. I I knew right away. Uh, that Jefferson was going to have a miraculous year for him, but not just that. I mean, the guy in general since coming into the league has been a top three uh, player mm-hmm. in his first like three seasons. I mean, it's, it's actually unbelievable of what he's done in his first few seasons that no other wide receiver or very few wide receivers have done in their to start their career. I mean, it's outstanding. So yeah. I think the only, I mean, the other candidates, I mean, you look at Patrick Mahomes and it's like, okay, he didn't have, you know, he, and that's the problem when you have like that, that you hit this, this uh, um, MVP type season. And then the next season you don't replicate that, which is, I mean, you can never, when you set that mark, it's hard to ever hit that mark again. And so yeah. I think that hurt Patrick Mahomes. Um, 
and so I, I don't think people and, and the NFL doesn't necessarily like to award. I mean, it's the reason why people hate Tom Brady so much. You know, right. you don't like to award the same players, the same stats, you know, over or awards all the time every year. And so I think Patrick Mahomes, you kind of you put him up there, you staple him in and then you're like, OK, well, who can beat him type of thing? And then you look at Ty- I think Tyree kills an interesting one because. He yeah. leaves there, and you're like, as much as people were looking at the fact that, oh, Patrick Mahone's going to take a huge step back, that, I mean, myself included, it's like, well, what is going to become of Tyreek Hill? He left. Yeah. He goes to, to them, traded, and it's like, well, now what is his career going to be? You know, yeah. is he going to be That's that prolific point. number one person, or is he just an Andy Reid system? I mean, outstanding. I, I'm not going to say that. Speed guy. You know, is the guy that you throw a deep to now, or is there more to him? Yeah. Yeah. Is there going to be a system in place that really puts him where he can become the Randy Moss or the Michael Irvin or or other notorious wide receivers that you just say, get me the ball and I will make great things happen. And I'm going to be a part of history. And he, for most of the season was that until they ran into, you know, unfortunately, uh, I'll never say his name right. So Matt, the quarterback. <laughs> uh, uh, Tua. Oh, I'll just Tua. say Tua. Yeah. Tua. We, we all know you're talking about Tua. We know we're yeah. talking about Tua. Everyone calls him Tua. Nobody can say his last name. Yeah. So until he his concussions, you know, kept coming back, and he was out, he was in, and everything. I mean, Tyreek Hill was one of the more dominant players for a good chunk of the season, but again, you know. Uh, <laughs> He didn't sustain that, you know, unfortunately. Yep. So it, it just becomes an easy answer. Justin Jefferson, he in his, what is it, his third year? His third full season, I believe. Third or fourth full season was able to do the, the put up the numbers that he had all season long, uh, you know. Yep. Uh, mad respect to him. But kind of like a a, uh, a warning posted to the, to the, the bulletin board, him getting shut down in the, uh, I guess, kind of the playoffs and not having the explosive game that you would expect them to have and getting shut down by Green Bay back, uh, Packers uh, cornerback. Yeah. Uh, not a not a red flag, but people remember that. And so, yeah, you know, he's going to have to win it again or to be, you know, someone that can win it again. He's going to have to shut people up um, in a, in a whole other level. For, for next but I will year, say but... I will say this with the finish he had to the season, he's got to have a chip on his shoulder too, considering how good his season was. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see his response next year. Yeah, no, for sure, for yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. All, all right. So next award we got the AP uh, Defensive Player of the Year goes to 49ers defensive end Nick Bosa. Uh, second place Micah Parsons for the Cowboys, and third place Chris Jones, a defensive tackle for the Chiefs. Jeez. Hmm. So Nick Bosa, which I mean, I don't think there's any question. I mean, I mean, if you've watched any 49ers games, Nick Bosa is he he is. I wouldn't say he's quite um, to the level of oh my gosh. You would say Aaron Aaron Donald. Thank you, Aaron Donald. Like Aaron Donald, I mean, in his prime, I mean, I mean, is a is a game wrecker, and he affects the play um, at all times. It feels like. Uh, with yeah. Bosa is the same way. Like you watch any 49ers game and, and like he is just 
in the play, making huge plays. I mean, he I think it's very deserving. I I mean, nothing against. I mean, obviously Chris Jones as a defensive tackle. I mean, yeah. how many sacks did he end up with? Like fifteen or sixteen sacks. Something like that, yeah. But I mean, like, and Micah Parsons is an elite. Uh, linebacker, there's no question, but I think Nick Bosa for sure, just based on the the effect he has on the game as a whole. I mean, and for his team, and I mean for for years. I know this is based on this what he's done this year, but even this year, I mean, the guy is a game wrecker for sure. Oh yeah, he's good. Now we'll say this: I like Chris Jones. I thought should have been closer. You know, I, he was third, right? But I think Chris right. Jones isn't going to win it because he's not a year after year guy, kind of like Nick talked about in the past. Um, one of the past awards. Usually you go with the guy that everybody knows, the name guy. Uh-huh. Also, when it comes to D-line, I mean, you're picking the sexier position. D-tackle is not the sexy position unless you're Aaron Donald. So right. I, I, I've got no problem with Bosa, but I do think um, Chris Jones could have been in that too, a little closer. Yeah, agreed. Nick? Yeah, I, I think the, the same thing um, – I mean, he was a huge piece to Kansas City, especially on the late of uh, a late run. I think he's in the conversation. I, I think this was a closer conversation that they had um, amongst themselves. But I, I think what kind of separates it is uh, Bosa's holding his uh, point of attack. Mm-hmm. Um, he was great in the run. He was great in the, in the pass. And uh, he plays a premier position in defensive end. Yep. that uh, it's just a little bit more – it's just flashier yep. in terms of uh, pay and in terms of of uh, the NFL and how they look at certain positions. Uh, Not to mention he's got, a, he's got a name, right? He's a guy that you hear about a lot, so people are going to vote for that too. Yeah. 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 All righty. All right. So moving on to the next one, we've got AP Coach of the Year. Goes to Giants head coach Brian Dayball. Uh, second place was 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan. Third was Jaguars head coach Coach Peterson, uh, Doug Peterson. So uh, for me, I, I think I think I don't think there's any question. You know what what Dayball was able to do for the Giants. I mean, with no receiving core, <laughs> it's like they were able to do what they did and uh, be competitive. Um, I definitely think there were moments where they I, I think they could have been in a better position even within their own division, but. Obviously, I mean, going 14-3 and three for the Eagles, I mean, that's kind of hard to keep up on. But um, but even with that being said, I think it was – I don't have too much of a problem with it, but I, I feel that that Peterson had more of an impact on the Jaguars team compared to what they where they were at and where they what they were able to get to. Um, so, I mean, I, I wish Peterson would have been second over Shanahan for sure. But, but I guess overall, not, I don't mind it. It's fine. Um, I like it. I think, I think he did more with less. Like you look at the Jags, and yes, their record's much better than where they were before. But nobody was thinking the Giants were playoff contenders, let alone a team that could win a playoff game this year with right. what they had. You know, so I think I really like Dayball. I think, I think Dayball was the right guy when it came down to it. Um, no knock on Peterson, but Dayball's a dude. I really like him. Yeah, I, I don't like it. And only because, and I hate that I, I'm saying this. Oh, boy. It's just not sexy. It's not the, it's not the sexy <laughs> pick. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's the I Giants, know, I know. 
It should have been. It should have been Pete Carroll, right? Yep, I know. It's like, <laughs> it's like picking an offensive lineman for like a flashy award. It's just not supposed to happen. Yeah, like I'm expecting uh, Broadway Joe to walk through, and then I get like you know your offensive lineman that's a blue collar guy that you know horrible at interviews. You know, just just kind of gives one word answers and then goes along his business. Uh, right. And I'm a defensive guy. Like I love the fact the Giants have a strong defense they built um, with higher picks and, and bringing in the right strategy to, to implement uh, slowing down bigger offensive teams. I mean, they played Dallas that does have an explosive team. They have had a quarterback that has been out for most of the year, but can't, you know, and then he came back, uh, but played Philadelphia. Uh, they went to the playoffs. It's um, I'm su- I'm surprised by it because I thought they would go with the flashier pick in the Jags because, you know, you hit on the quarterback and you add a couple free agency, um, you know, to the team. And then you, um, you you build up, you know, a defense that's been kind of dismantled. They've gotten rid of picks that were good defensive players that didn't fit their mold. And so you're like, man, this guy's like doing all these different things. And then they all of a sudden shock the world by going to the playoffs and then winning, uh, to me, it's it's uh, the sexier pick, but I respect um, – I almost, like, hate myself for not liking it. <laughs> I'm hating myself, guys. I, I'm sensing a theme, Nick. <laughs> I'm going to say something. I'm going to hate myself for it, but I'm going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> All right. So, next, uh, AP uh, Comeback Player of the Year. Uh, winner goes to Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith. Uh, second place was uh, Niners running back Christian McCaffrey. And third place was Giants running back Saquon Barkley. Um, personally, I, I don't – I mean, I think it's cl- I think it's close. It's close. I think Geno – it's hard to say he doesn't win that and that he doesn't deserve it because of what he was able to do with, with very, very low expectations for that Seahawks team. Um and even for him, to be honest with you, I mean, no one, but I doubt at most people didn't believe in him outside of Seattle. Um, yeah. And even then, people in Seattle even probably didn't. In Seattle. So, but I, I think that it should have been, there's a part of me that wanted it to be Barkley, just because all the injury concerns that he's had over the past two or three years. And then a finally, basically, contract year, <laughs> let's do this. And, him, and for him to put up the year that he did, I thought was phenomenal. Um, so, I if, if not Smith, it should have been Barkley in my mind, but 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 it's all good. I mean, Smith, Gino did really. I mean, I mean, he set franchise. I mean, franchise records this year for you guys, yeah. which yeah. is crazy to think at quarterback when you've got when you had Russell as your quarterback for how long? Like over a decade. Over a decade. So I mean, it's just uh, it's it's pretty insane. So yeah, so I, I'm good with it. I mean, I, I like I said, I, I would have would have been totally fine if it was Barkley instead, but. But Smith, Gino definitely proved, proved himself. I, I'm sorry. I think this is like a landslide victory. There's no other direction that you go. And and the reason why I say that is McCaffrey, you know what he is. You know what he's produced. Yeah, he got hurt. You got a season-ending injury. But the fact of the matter is, is that uh, he is at that level of talent. Whereas, and then you can say the same thing about Barkley. Yeah, he tore his ACL, but usually the the year after you tear it is a down year. Now, did he have a historically horrible year? We were like, oh, man, you know, is he going to be able to respond 
to that level that he is with his elusive uh, style of play. And, you know, he showed that. And so it's like, okay, you can put him in there, but I'm sorry, the hardest position to play in the NFL is quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I've got no problem with it. I I did. I was surprised that Barkley came third. I thought Barkley would be closer. If anyone was going to push, I thought it would be Barkley. But I mean, Jonah Smith, he plays quarterback. If it's if it's a skill guy versus a quarterback, it's probably going to be the quarterback that wins in these awards. So yeah, I mean, on a, in the off season when Geno Smith, you know, <laughs> who Nick is Nick is the Geno Smith like fan club captain, right? You even have a shirt. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm the guy that I question the future based on on bringing Geno Smith in because it just doesn't happen in, in the – I mean, it's like, what, three times in history that somebody's won a Super Bowl with a, a game manager? And yeah. this guy produced. And whether or not he can produce that again, you have to give it to him this year. Yeah, I mean, the last time that people – like, he's more no, noticed for being having his – jaw broken than succeeding (laughs) in football and so the fact that he comes in and they trade russell wilson away they finally draft decide to draft high offensive lineman picks that they hit on and uh, they give him a stable offensive line and this guy comes out and and that's the thing is the nfl has two different two different attributes that you draft you draft the guy that has the gunslinger arm I can throw it a mile, but he ha- he's limited on accuracy. Then you have the guy that has great accuracy, but he doesn't have the arm to push it down down the field. This guy coming in has a cannon, has an absolute yeah. cannon. So the one thing that I will say that shocked me is his accuracy. Now, towards the end of the season, you did see the glaring, obvious um, ways that defenses were playing them or playing yeah. him that put him in a bad position to make mistakes, which happened, but collectively for the, the entire season, he performed and he performed. I mean, he, you go from trash dumpster garbage or whatever uh, belief where everybody, and then you put up the numbers that he did. You, you got to give it to him. It's yeah. kind of a no brainer. Yeah. I agree. I also think that we need a picture of Nick with his shirt to put on the photo oh, yeah. for the podcast. Oh, come on. Please. <laughs> Do it. I mean, I think that rags to riches is the epitome of what play comeback player of the year is and what comeback yeah. anything in life is. We don't like to yeah. award things to people like, oh, you're a great Hall of Famer, basically, talent, and you had a bat <laughs> like you had an injury one season and then you come back and perform the next. You know, yeah. we'll give it to you. It's like, no, we want the guy that's like, you know, in the gutters, you know, nobody, everybody overlooks him. And then he comes in and, you know, performs, which is the reason yeah. why Tom Brady will always be, you know, his, uh, what is it? Six round pick. Type yeah. Of It'll he, that's why it's his deal breaker for, uh, for goat in football, right? Like you can compare everything and then you talk about where he's drafted. He's the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Love him, but he's the guy. Yep. All right. All right. So to move on to offensive rookie of the year, we got the winner being the Jets wide receiver Garrett Wilson. Second place was Seahawks running back Kenneth Walker the third, and third place was 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy. Uh, for me, uh, they were. I, I, I wanted. I, there's a part of me which is weird, surprising that wanted to, wanted it to be Kenneth Walker the third, just <laughs> uh, that came out of nowhere. 
you, you wanted to uh, you wanted to ruin Nick's dream. I did. I did. Which we got to talk about. Nick's dream came true. You know, and, and I wanted it to be. <laughs> I, I wanted uh, either either Kenneth Walker or Brock Purdy, but I mean Garrett Wilson, understandably enough, had a, had a great year um, as, as a rookie wide receiver uh, in the NFL, especially against. I mean. Pretty good competition, uh, defensive competition in in the AFC uh, East. But on top of that, with no quarterback, you know, I mean, I Absolutely saw on, I saw no on, uh, on on Facebook. It was funny. There was a NFL meme put like the least valuable player award goes to Zach Wilson of the Jets, <laughs> which is so funny. And, and I but, think that's the deal breaker on these three guys. I think it came down to that. It's like yeah. the most with the least. Exactly. So, but no, I think that's an easy one for sure. Whit Wilson, he deserved it. Yep. Are you? Are we good to move on from that? Or I'm good. Yeah, Nick? I'm good. Okay. Defensive people rookie. are start falling asleep for all. We're half hour in, and we've just talked about awards. We haven't even gotten to the Super Bowl yet. So. I know we got we got to pick up the pace here. <laughs> Let's do this uh, one. This be our last one. Let's do okay, this. The last one. Right on. Defensive rookie of the year. Uh, winner was Sauce Gardner, cornerback for the Jets. Second place, Aiden Hutchinson, defensive end for the Lions. And third place, Tariq Woolen, uh, Seahawks cornerback. So, I, you know, I'm good with it again. I mean, I probably, I, I you know, I'm a, I'm a big guy, play, you know, played, uh, you know, in the trenches. So I, I definitely uh, lean towards Aiden Hutchinson, just what he did for the, for the, for the Lions. But I mean, there's no question, Gardner. I mean, there's something about Jets cornerbacks it feels like lately uh, that have just really have shown that or at least they're they're good at either developing them or picking them. Probably just picking them, I would say more than likely. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, he's he was a great corner this year, and I thought he deserved it. So yeah, no, I agree. And again, this concludes the dream rookie of the year sweep for Nick. Two Seahawks in the conversation, but nobody actually won it. Um, exactly. But Sauce Gardner, I mean, we talked all year when it came to the corners. Sauce Gardner statistically just had a little bit of a lead on uh, on Woolen, right? I like Woolen a lot, but Sauce is probably just a little bit more of a finished product at this moment. Um, and I do like Aiden Hutchinson. I thought he had a great season as well. So I think for me, any of those three win, I don't have a problem with any of them. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, kind of diving into it further. Um, I mean, my dream did come true, guys. Got to <laughs> admit that. And it's just, it's purely on a organizational standpoint. I, I absolutely he was the one guy that I I loved coming into this year. And the I I like tall cornerbacks. I I mean, going back to I'm a C, obviously a Seahawks fan, as we know. I can't stand. There was nothing more aggravating than seeing a 510 corner that had a 40 plus vertical leap be able to get out manhandled uh, on jump balls because he just didn't have that height and physicality so i'm a big corner guy like i love it and he is a big and fast cornerback so but coming into this um into this season looking at them you had the comparisons were so close that i didn't want willing to win it based on a budget standpoint of using that in contracts negotiations <laughs> going forward we all know what kind of guy i am but i mean uh, gardner had an 88 pff grade 53 tackles two interceptions and out of 61 targets he allowed 27 catches uh it was very very close with um 
with Wallen, who in his own way, um, he had his numbers were he had a PFF grade of 71.3, 46 tackles, six interceptions, and out of 55 targets, he had 31 catches allowed. Uh, in looking at the the two, when you break down of who they went went against, I don't necessarily think that that uh, Garner uh, Garner went against premier talent. It, uh, yeah, it. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I mean, he got he probably got a good test against the Bills twice. Yeah. Um. And Tyreek, right? He would have played Tyreek twice. I don't yeah. know. He probably got some good in in conference or in division. He probably had a good good challenge a couple times, but yeah. Know. And I think that's where they kind of give it to to him <coughs> is yeah. is on that fact. Now, in in those games, he didn't necessarily play. Um, I mean, they both were. They, I yeah. mean, being so young, being in the first year, and the Seahawks in their in their their defense, their their cornerbacks will never travel with players. Right. Um, they will sit. They play a lot of zone. Um, so there's his interceptions. You know, the Seahawks don't necessarily get the greatest uh, accolades or praise for mm-hmm. the style that they play because it's very cat and mouse. Um, you know, they give up a lot of yards uh, in between the 20s, you know, to be stronger in, in the red zone type of thing. And so I, I think because you, you have. Gardner that played more man to man and you're like, okay, well first, you know, first year he faces these tough tasks. He did face them a couple of times. You kind of gave it to him, but I actually thought they were going to give it to, to Warren. Not going to lie. Uh, based on the, the matchups and, and these websites that break down who they actually went against. I was shocked. Yeah. Um, one that it was, it was so close in their stats together and two, the lack of talent that Gardner went against that I thought was more premier. Uh, yeah, because I thought he traveled more. There was games I saw him travel, but he used stationary a lot. So as I well, will say so. this: I will say this. If you put them like as one A, one B, you know the real difference maker if they're voting. Sauce Gardner's in New York, right? New York has a bigger market; they're more sexy. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's really what probably made the difference, but whatever. Seahawks no. aren't sexy. Yeah. All right, cool. All right. Uh, so with that, we're going to be moving into our new segment of Going Deep with Nick. What do you got for us, Nick? Well, you know, I, I kind of thought about there's a couple things I wanted to cover in, in this segment. And the first one, I saw an interesting article that was put out by ESPN that talked uh, with Goodell and his response to the bad calls and the admitted bad calls that were with the Kansas city chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals game. But in response to admitting the fact that these were missed calls, his, he backed the, the refs in a totality act, I guess, saying that the referees have never been better than they, in the history of the NFL. Now it made me think of one, one question to ask, and this is what I want to pose to you guys. If you have a 99% accuracy rating, but you miss the biggest call year after year in the playoffs against the, the greatest talent that are facing off that the margin of error is inches, 
between victory and defeat, if you make the biggest mistakes during that time, is does the 99% matter? Mm. That's and the reason a good question. Why, so you go back and you look at the New Orleans Saints game, where the, the, the yeah. I believe, was that the running back? Or was it a wide yeah. receiver? Uh, yeah, it, was, it, was, it was a wide receiver in corner. The corner uh, just took out the wide receiver. Yeah. You but missed you that glaring them. call, which cost them the game that can potentially, you know, either of those teams could have went on to win the Super Bowl. And they were in a prime position to win that game. And so you cost that. Then you go look at this game. Uh, and we can go back years prior to big moments in the playoffs. This, these are where these mistakes are happening. You know, yeah. there's mistakes throughout the season that people – you know, look to and everything, but I think the most glaring, the obvious uh, mistakes are happening in the playoffs in the biggest moments that changes the course of history for certain teams. And so I guess, what do you, what's your guys' thoughts on it? I mean, it's, it's difficult because I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, 99%, that's pretty awesome. It really is. I mean, especially in a game when, a lot of these calls can be subjective, you know? Mm-hmm. So to, I mean that, so it, it really is a big deal. I mean, that it is 99% to be honest with you. I think it is. Um, but, but obviously just as much like, you know, in, in any sport, like baseball, football, basketball, I mean, when you're, it, it's, it, it's, it's um, the mistake, the mistakes, like officiating mistakes are, are magnified by by a th- by a million, you know, on the on the bigger stage, of course, because more you got more viewers watching, you've got uh, more at stake, of course, you know. It's so so it's 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 so it's difficult. Uh, I do think there needs to be some level of grace for sure, but I think, w- but at the same time, like to avoid situations like this, uh, I mean, because what what does the league do? I mean, especially after that season, you bring up the Saints and Rams and the and, the, and yeah. that game. Um, because that was the NFC Championship game, wasn't it? Or was it a division round? No, that was the NFC, NFC championship. championship, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's a huge. I mean, obviously, the Saints are a team that barely missed out in like such heartbreak in like the three to five years that they like were in their prime and they had the team to to take it all the way. You know, which that's football for you it happens. But in that particular game, I think I don't think anyone can question. I mean, I think I think the Saints should have won that game, or at least had a chance to win it. And yeah, they were absolutely screwed. But what does the NFL do in a situation like this? They always, you know, try to come up with some emphasis uh, or try to do some rule, <laughs> which is going to uh, to uh, to do things. Even this year, what was the emphasis this year? Illegal contact, which it's just like it, ridiculously. Even then, still inconsistent. I mean, like there were times when it was called. It's like, are you serious? Like, what are you talking about? And other times where it's not even being called at all. Like it's. It's it really is quite the epidemic. I feel like when it comes to the the, the uh, inconsistency among like beyond like, like between different officiating crews. I mean, when yeah. you start talking about like certain crews are more are, are are like you know worse than others, or not even just worse than others, but like yeah, this crew they tend to they, they tend to keep the laundry in their pockets most of the time. It's like wait a sec, like they need to be more consistent. Like if there should be a standard. That they're following, not as if like, yeah, well, we're just gonna let them play. It's like, well, you're gonna let them play, or you know, or, or are you gonna be following the rules? Like, you know, what's right. the point of having rules? Then I mean, should it just be NFL Street out there? You know, like we're <laughs> we're doing double backflips over over the line, and and like you know, and like and doing a 
DDTs and, and body suplexes and like dropping elbows like after the play. Like, like you know, this is not a video game. This is real I've, life, and it's and there's a lot at stake. You know, I've got two things that I want to respond real quick on this, and then I don't I don't want to spend too much time on officiating, but I'll say this: number one, what is the NFL's logo? The No Fun League. No, I mean, what is their logo? Their symbol? What is it? It's a shield. It's a shield. Why is it a shield? Because they're always going to deflect, right? It's never <laughs> their fault. They're it's always like... behind the shield. No, um, but I, will say that I think the biggest issue, and you hear it occasionally when you watch the playoffs year to year, but like what the NFL does, I think this matters too, is like all season long, the officials work in teams, right? And they work together. They know each other. They trust each other. They watch their rules. They do their job, and they know that they can trust and work with each other. Then you get to the playoffs, and you take the best individuals from all the teams, and you put them all together on one team, but they don't work together. And so I think the biggest thing that would help is just bringing up teams. Who is the most consistent? Who is the most correct team of officials? Right. And bring them up together and let them work together. It would be like – like, we've seen all-star games, right? Like, when you get a bunch of guys from different systems and different teams and put them together, the fluidity's there, not there, right? The chemistry's not there. It's not the same. And so, I think that's the biggest problem, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good point. I mean, I didn't uh, – I forgot that they did that, that they bring together, like, the best officials when, like, we're not looking for a Pro Bowl staff. We're looking for the best team. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like – yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, do you have anything else you want that you want want to add to that, Nick? No, I just want to say that the uh, I thought it was an interesting article that dropped on ESPN, and Twitter was blowing Goodell up in <laughs> anger of like how blind he is to the glaringly obvious right um, missfalls are happening in the playoffs, and that I don't care if you're ninety nine percent right. <laughs> during the season if you are glaringly wrong during the playoffs. And so I thought it would be an interesting thing to throw out to you guys. Yeah, no, I think it's a great question. I think the 99% is awesome because in football, there's so much going on. It happens so fast. The margins are so small. So the fact that they are 99% accurate, like that's, that is awesome. But the time to talk about that is not after watching blown calls in the important games. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> it's tone deaf, right? And so, of course, he's getting roasted. It's who he is. His job is to be roasted. So that way the owners get away with hiding behind the shield. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we're going to go ahead and move on to the Super Bowl preview. Kansas City Chiefs versus the Philadelphia Eagles. So, what are we thinking? Before we do our picks, I mean, is there anything you guys want to highlight about this matchup? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to talk a ton because we've talked about these teams for like five weeks in a row, you know, breaking down their strengths and weaknesses. Right. Um, at the end of the day, I will say this is a good matchup, I think. Now, um, I, David and I were talking while we are waiting for Nick to come on the air pre-pod, but um, it's interesting who you talk to definitely jades who like is the favorite in this game like to me it seems like everyone i've talked to is like oh it's the eagles the eagles the eagles defense is a little better you know defenses win championships it's the eagles but then you look at espn like their football power index has 
the Chiefs as favorites. Now, the margin's small. It's 51.8% versus (laughs) 48.2%, which is a small margin, which really leads up to the fact that this should be a good game. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's – they both have pretty good defenses. They both can get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, The Eagles are going to pressure better, I think. And the question for me is, can Mahomes – can he be protected and can he protect himself – against that Eagles defensive front that leads the NFL in sacks by a large margin. You know, I think that if you can sum it up to one thing, to me, that's going to be the question. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it's, it's, you know, who's going to rise. Both teams have stars. Both teams have good coaching. Uh, And so in these big moments of one-on-one matchups, which coach is going to, is going to exploit the other team's matchups and defensive calls um, to be able to to win in the, the not only in the the small individual plays but to make those big plays. What stars on either side are going to make that big move? You know, AJ yeah. Brown. You know, are you going to elevate your game? Um, Hurts. Are you going to be able to use and exploit your running ability to not only limit pressure but then to be able to tire out Kansas City's defense. And then can he be the, accurate, right? Can, can he be, he be accurate? accurate? Right. Can you scheme to get the slot uh, wide receiver um his name is escaping me right now uh who's an incredible speedster. Can you utilize him to create big uh big um explosive plays? And on the vice versa, can Kansas City's defense continue to do what they've been doing since the end of the season? You know, yeah. it, can it just be Chris Jones? Is is he, if he falters or if he has a an off game, what does that look like? You know, how does Andy Reid handle his offensive scheme to exploit a Eagles defense that has been not only trading for offensive players, but have been signing defensive players in Slay, who I've loved all season long and loved him throughout his career, you know, that's this is the moment is who's going to be the dude to make that big play. And and every single year, there's always that one play, whether it's a amazing coaching play with the, the quarterback uh, pass um, of the the last time the Phillies were in the championship to a huge interception to a huge, uh, you know, you can go back to Eli Manning and the, the helmet catch, helmet catch uh, Burleson, his uh you know touchdown on that same drive so to me it's it's uh who's going to make the 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 big moment yeah and And this uh, is what it's all about right i will add one more thing you made me think nick that i kind of forgot to talk about is uh seems like every year there's a guy for one of the two teams that like comes out of nowhere right yeah with the seahawks it was um oh what's his name the receiver was it matthews Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, Chris, man. Chris, Matthews. Chris Matthews. Nowhere, right? and had a huge game and was instrumental in that. You know, there's always guys that just kind of come from nowhere. Which team's going to have that guy? That's the exciting thing too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so should we go right into picks then, or what? Let's do it. I want to cover something it. that's a little bit more entertaining for a sense because okay, we're all warriors. You know, we like to it's, – it's not just about two teams winning. It's a part of us. 
these teams around the world, uh, around the United States, mean something to somebody. And so mm-hmm. it's not just two teams playing each other. It's two cities playing each other. It's two cultures playing each other. And so I kind of wanted to jump in for just a quick segment yeah. of, you know, before we choose or we can do it after. Um, no, let's do it now. Let's do your culture thing now. I forgot about that. Okay. Uh, so now we're going to talk about the war of food. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, when, when everybody thinks of the Super Bowl, you think of the game, you think of of the commercials and you think of food everybody get together food baby yeah for me food is the second most important thing about this weekend yeah (laughs) i I could be the most upset person going to a super bowl party of my team not being in or losing or whatever but gosh darn it man that food that's always comfort to me it's got to be on point healing those wounds so i'm gonna go i'm gonna cover some of the staple foods. I apologize to the Philly and the Kansas city fans out there that maybe I'm not hitting a certain food or I'm not, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, blame Google. Okay. Not me or blame me. You know, we can always learn, but uh, here's some of the staple foods of both Philadelphia and of Kansas city. So I'll start with Philadelphia. You got the Italian hoagie. You got the Philly soft pretzel. You got water ice, which is basically like what? flavored, you know, ice. Okay. Uh, you got these things called the tasty cake, Ooh, which is uh, nice. hard pressed um, and cream filled chocolate cupcakes. Ooh. Uh, you got the the scrapple, which is an interesting uh, thing in reading about it. It's basically the leftover stuff of. Uh, that they find in, in uh, like pigs and, 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 and stuff. It's like, you know, you use the lining and the stomach and all that uh-huh. stuff. So uh, it's a deep fried version of all of the scrapes that they, they put together uh, of pork and, and everything. You got a tomato pie, which I thought was the most interesting thing oh boy. that they have on there, which is basically, it's a um, a thicker dough with tomato sauce, um, and then on top, it's just grated Parmesan cheese with oregano. So it's like, but it's dusted. You're basically eating a tomato. Um, oh my gosh! Like a sauce the, pizza. I was like gonna say it's a, like a, a tomato sauce crust with cheese on it, like a pizza. Yeah, so you have an entire pizza, and then you just put tomato sauce on it and dust it with uh, Parmesan cheese. I know I'm not, you know, doing it justice uh, to all people out there. I'll try that. uh, It looks good, I'll tell you that. And then, obviously, you're talking about the most Italian, you know, spot here in Philadelphia where you got different pastas and and red gravy pastas and everything else. So you got that. I, I, I have not heard the, the most important the thing. The most important thing, right? I like, mean, he I, talked about hoagies, but like, that's not like, If anything, if there's any Philly fans, they're just like, they're having strokes right now. Oh, Listen, dude, we, have, we haven't reached number one, baby. Oh, oh you're okay. counting right. down? Oh, okay. I was like, yeah, it was, so I was, like, so I was like, where in the world is this one I'm thinking of right now? Top of that list? That, the top of that list. The only one that matters? The, I guess the only other, well, I mean, do you want me to go with the roast pork sandwich? Because that, that's number two. <laughs> that's probably tasty. I mean, I imagine it's good. And so is like all the other stuff. But what's okay. the number one thing you're going to find? 
baby, the number one thing you need to do is Philly cheesesteak. Okay, I was going to yep. say, I was like, where the heck is the Philly cheesesteak at, man? <laughs> like, I'm looking at a picture of it right now, and I'm like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Like, I, I just want to dive in. You, you, know, you, go to, you go to Philly, you order the Philly special, it's going to be a cheesesteak. There you, you know go. What's, you know what's crazy, no. though? Like, I've, I've had uh, Philly cheesesteaks with provolone and different cheeses, whatever kind of thing, but I've never had it with cheese whiz, which that's apparently going, oh, quote, unquote, so that's quote unquote going okay. full Philly, I guess. But yes. I've never, I've never had. I mean, I imagine it's amazing. I've, I just never had Dude. it with cheese whiz. Dude, so and then shout, I, I'm, shout so out, hold runner up, really quick, really quick. Oh, so when I was in college, you know, uh, at our college, they they had a really good business like uh, business program, right? And so one of the things that you got every semester is like in the business class, like the cap class you had to go out and you had to like make a business that you performed for on campus for that uh-huh. semester. Right. So one summer there was this guy who was from Philadelphia and they did Philly cheesesteak sandwiches. Dang. Like a, it was not like a food wagon, basically not a food cart, but a food wagon. And he made it and he had even like the, the oots, I think oots is what you call it, but like oots, uh, potato chips, from Philly and like cheese with oh man, dude! I swear I ate lunch there like four times a week because it was <laughs> right out. But it was always they set up right outside of the athletic building. So when you got done working out, you walk by this thing and you're like, "I'm in, I'm in." Take my money, man! It is so good. And he used the cheese whiz. It yep. was legit. Yeah, it was so good. Okay, sorry. Go ahead, Nick. So then now, I'm gonna take a little ride. We're going we're gonna to take our little stop in Kansas City. <laughs> and the most iconic, oh, before we go, you know, because we got a little dessert. There's probably Philly fans out there that are going crazy because they haven't had their, their, their dessert cannoli. So I'm just saying. We can't leave oh, that one yeah. out. Cannoli. Cannoli's True good, that. too. True that. Yeah. You got to finish that baby off with All a right. nice cannoli. <laughs> so what do we got in Kansas City? So Kansas City, we got... Mm. Ooh, barbecue in there, right? Kansas yeah. City barbecue, baby. All right. we're gonna, So we're going to start it out with uh, their notorious barbecue anything with burnt ends. Oh, burnt ends. Burnt ends. Ooh. Apparently, it's discovered oh, in Kansas City. Yeah. It is uh, a famous way of, of doing their barbecue where, uh, you know, whether it's brisket, ribs, it don't matter. They burn those ends, and uh, apparently, it is a mouth-watering. So, let me, let me explain this, because I've had burnt ends. Oh, so good. So, like... When you do the meat, right, and you're going to smoke a meat, the outside is where you put all of the seasonings, right? So you've got the strongest and boldest flavor is right on the outsides, right? Mm-hmm. And then, then you cook that or you smoke it, and the outsides are what get, gets burnt if it's cooked for long periods of time, right? Right. But it's all where all the juices kind of leak out and kind of caramelize. And so you're taking like the bold seasoning and the caramelized crispy edges of the meat. That's burnt ends. Oh, mm. I'm hungry now. I know. I know. And then obviously you're going to add into that brisket, anything. So anything meat related, brisket sandwiches, 
you know, which is going to be the same thing with uh, different salamis from, you know, Philly, where you're making any type of hoagie sandwich and, and um, you know, anything of, of that. So then we're going to dabble back to Kansas City. So we're going to next go to uh, Cheesy Corn, which is mm. a huge, I guess, staple in Kansas City. That you sounds know, good. Almost like making mac and cheese, but out of corn. Huh. Ooh. I'd eat it. I'd try that. Yeah. Uh, you got the, you know, the, and then you're going to finish that off with, uh, with, uh, excuse me, excuse me, a sour cream and raisin pie. That sounds horrible. Oh my God. That, yep. You lost me on that one. Yep. Gone. Leaving that party, going back to the Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> now, this is a, an old-fashioned staple of Kansas City, supposedly. And, uh, yeah, when I heard it, I was like, I don't even know how to feel. Like, I feel like this is like minced meat pie meets, you know, a, uh, a type of, you know, like sour cream pie or, or That's whatever. Weird. What's yeah. that type of, like, Bavarian, like, cream or... Oh yeah, but Bavarian cream's amazing. Don't, don't you but put... what's the one that's like it's sour, but it's more of a, a custard? like lemon lemon meringue pie? Yeah, like something like oh, that. No, no, it's no, like they crossed over and was like, let's take the the minced meat pie and and like let's spice it up with a little right. bit of sweetness. On to the next one. That we're gonna skip this one. What's next? All right, then we got <laughs> the. So I kind of combined everything. Um, of all of their their traditional, I will say this one because we we have men, Apparently. we have dudes. We kind of go on that 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 uh, premise here. So the best sandwich they say is called the Z Man sandwich, which okay. is basically Kansas City barbecue, Kansas City sauce on any type of meat with a homemade uh, homemade roll. Yeah, okay. I mean, barbecue meat with barbecue sauce on a roll, like it's hard to go wrong. Doesn't even right. matter what the meat or the sauce, like what it is, but I, I did I did see something also. They're really big about their baked beans, apparently. Mm. Baked beans, huh? Yeah, I'm not a huge baked beans guy. I'm not really into that for whatever Nick, reason. Nick makes a, a mean uh, baked bean recipe. I do mm. make that baby from scratch. I and, might have uh, to give you tips on that next time I'm in town. We'll have to give that a try. Yeah, yeah. I did see one on this list though, like that I found regarding like. Uh, like you know, sixteen Super Bowl recipes that Chiefs fans will love: beer battered cheese curds. I'm so in. It's Ooh, crazy. Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. Man. Yes, they also sir. have this thing called the cheese sniper. Or I'm yeah. sorry, I just completely butch butch that. The cheese <laughs> slipper is what it's called. I was like sniper. I was like, what's going on here? Uh, it's, like, it's you know, uh, it's a pastry. <laughs> it's whole wheat bread serves as a base for this delicious pastry. With aged cheddar, oh, and cheese curds inside. I get Ooh. it. Dang, dang, you're taking cheese Split curds and cheese you're sticking it in bread it. and baking it. Ooh, that's dang. that. How do you go wrong with that, man? So, uh, on that standpoint, who do you think is the clear favorite of being the best food in out of Philly and Kansas City? It's Philly. Ooh. Dang. Okay. <laughs> Like it's it's, I, it's not even it's not even a question for me. I, I love barbecue. Trust me, I love barbecue. But man, if you've if you've experienced a Philly cheesesteak, man, like it's just a different level. So it, I would take the Philly cheesesteak over any of that Matt, stuff. Who are you taking? I'm gonna go last because I'm gonna factor this into my Super Bowl pick. Okay, so I'm gonna go, and to me, 
is Kansas City all the way. I mean, you have bar. I, I have tasted. I got on this whole kick of tasting different barbecue sauces from different parts of mm-hmm. the country, and Kansas City is just that's where that's where my my palate lives, baby. And so anything barbecue that they they put out there is just absolutely amazing. Burnt ends. See, Nick, Nick, mm-hmm. you're betraying your Texas roots, bro. We were born in Texas. <laughs> Texas barbecue. <laughs> I mean, it's all right. It's all right. You can like other things and still think your thing's good. No, absolutely. There's can't. big part. Hey, there's big parts because <laughs> Texas has its own culture within a culture type of thing. And there's areas of Texas food that I've had that's like, all right. But then there's areas that are like, that's life changing. So, Dude, but David, we're just talking. See, now you're 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 going outside. David, the wait, box wait, here, wait, wait. So, wait. Quick question. So, food is food. Food right? is food. Right. Right. But here, here's the thing. So. What is dude? Every we, we gotta, we gotta move on to the next, literally just agreeing with you right here. now. Food is life. <laughs> well, it is, it is. But here, so quick last thing before we move on to our Super Bowl picks. Okay. What like not including? I mean, I mean, it can be if you want it to be one of those foods you just mentioned or whatever, like for either side. But just in general, like you go to a Super Bowl party, what is the number one food that you're that you're that you're freaking mowing down? Like what what's your number one favorite Super Bowl party food? Go. Oh, um, well, buffalo wings, man. Mm. Okay, buffalo wings for Nick. What do you got, David? I need a second. I know, so do I. Actually, I'm just this there's, some, there's so many foods going through my head right uh, now. I mean, you know, you actually, should... I, I got, I got mine. I got mine. Go ahead. Okay, so it's 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 close. I mean, it's really freaking close. Okay, um, but I'd have to say. That my favorite uh, Super Bowl deal, like uh, I'd say number one for me is mac and cheese, like a baked mac and cheese, man. Mm-hmm. Like um, I will, I will like curl up in a ball and just like dive in, just like you know, just fall right into that into that cheesy goodness. Um, yeah, especially well, the Packer start, fan likes cheese. Especially weird. When you put, Especially when you put stuff like extras in it, you know what I'm saying? Like you got some cheddar worse in there, you got some bacon mm. in there, you know what I'm mm. saying? Like, I, I'm, I, and then all that crap. Oh, it's the bread mm. crumbs on top out of the oven. Amen, brother. Like, but I'd say a close second for me, which might be seem kind of surprising. Well, actually, it's not probably not surprising at all, really. But I, I, I'm a I'm a dip guy, man. Like, give me yeah. some good dips. Like, I just just the other day, I had this. Um, these two dips that from Costco. One is one is a jalapeno artichoke dip, spinach okay. artichoke dip, which was insanely good. But the one that totally just like kicked me in the Ganges, if you will, was this street corn dip. Okay, and okay, it's amazing. Like I'm, I'm thinking about it right now. My mouth is watering, and I just want to slam my face into a bowl of this stuff. It's so good. But okay, but yeah. All right, I'll go. Oh, go ahead, Nick. Dip to me is like the redheaded stepchild, where it's just like, you know, <laughs> cool. We're kind of related, but like, you know, I really don't it's like not, you. Not Interesting, You're crazy, bro. Yeah, it, it, to me, it's like it's always like that that starter they throw out to like just shut people up, so that nobody says I'm hungry. Like, where's the better food? I feel like that's <laughs> it. Like I'm always this. I swear, there's like MSG or something in that dip that makes you come back because you're just so hungry, dude. But you're never satisfied. You know what you're dip never, is? You're telling me that you're satisfied wait, after eating dip. Wait, wait, you know what dip is? You know, dip dip is there is there is your best buddy. 
Dip is there to hold your hand until the main entree comes out. Dip is there to say, hey, man, it's going to be okay. You're going to get there, and I'm right here with you every step of the way. So you're just a user. You're using this dip 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 to get to the main course. Dip is comfort. Dip is is just you know a good buddy that's just hanging out with you, man. That's what it is. So if you're against that, then then you're not American. (laughs) Okay, Uh, I'm going to intercede here and uh, go ahead and give mine. Now, I had a really hard time when you asked me this, and I didn't think it should be that hard. And then I realized as you're talking why it is that I don't have a clear go-to favorite. My Super Bowl tradition, because I usually host the Super Bowl, because I'm the only person in my family that is like, Super Bowl's important, right? (laughs) So so what I usually do is I go over the top and look for like outrageous things I can make that sound just amazing. Like don't you you do different themes, don't you, Matt? Uh, A lot of times, yeah. So I'll do a theme or whatever. Um, But the favorites, you know, like the traditional favorites that I always have to have there um pizza bites or pizza you know of some sort i love those hard to go wrong there um onion blossom one year i made homemade onion blossoms that was pretty good nice um so what i'll do is i'll tell you what i'm making this year so this year i'm making and i'm gonna make sure i'm gonna google this to make sure i say it right um do you guys know where the country of georgia is i can isn't it eastern europe yeah, kind of Eastern Europe, Middle East kind of area. Okay. Like by Kazakhstan over there, right? Oh, yeah. Sure. So they've got this thing called kachipuri, right? I think I said that right. So what you do is you make like a, like a buttery pizza dough, right? You twist the ends up to make it kind of like a, a bread boat before you cook it. And then you put a cheese, it's like a four or five cheese filling. So you got like ricotta, provolone, mozzarella, cheddar. You can put whatever kind of cheese you want in that thing. Dang. And then you cook it, right? And then once it's nice and hot, you put egg on top of the cheese. Like if you like crack an egg in there and you mix it up and the bubbling cheese cooks the egg into the cheese mix. Dang. And then you pull the bread boat sides off of it and deep dip it into the cheese mix. That's what I'm making for the Super Bowl this year. That sounds good. Okay. All right. So let's go ahead and oh yeah, last thing I guess when we're talking about Super Bowl sides and stuff, for me the food's great. I'm also a big drink guy, right? I have to have the right drink. Yeah, uh, I agree. And for me, it's it usually comes down to Mountain Dew Code Red. I've got to have it. Code red, baby. Just hey, call hey, me Matt, your, high, your high school is coming back. Man, yeah. Teenage boy locked inside a 35-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and jump to picks. You guys mind if I go first on the picks? Yeah, yeah go, go ahead. Okay. So I'm trying to separate this thing. That is probably as close to a 50-50 call as we've had all offseason or all, all playoff. Um. So what I did is I made categories. And as we're doing this pod, Nick, you inspired me to add an extra category. Uh, we're going to put food into this as well, right? Okay, so let's look at the head coaches. Which head coach is most experienced? Who's the best coach? Reed. Oh, Andy Reed. It's, it's got to be Andy Reed. Who's got the best and most experienced quarterback? Reed. The Chiefs, right? You got Mahomes, right? He's got the most experience. He had the best stats. He did the best. 
who's got the best defense? Eagles. Who's got the best food? I'm going to say Kansas City. Philly. I'm going to say Kansas City, baby. I'm saying Kansas City. So we're talking right now, was that like three or four to one? Kansas yeah. City. But the most important thing to separate these two is, um, is going to be who won NFL MVP? Oh, you're right, Matt. You're right. Patrick Mahomes. And in that case, I'm going Eagles. Yep, he's right. He's yeah. right. Not since Kurt Warner in 1999 did the NFL MVP win, have they won the Super Bowl, that played in the Super Bowl. Right. There's a, um, there's a great poised response that Hertz had about him not winning. And uh, he basically said that he doesn't play for listening to anybody else's voice. And uh, listening to him talk in that press conference gave me all the confidence I have in picking Philly to win it. Like the only yeah. the only thing I see in this game, and this is completely kind of heart and just watching hurts uh, in the, at the press conference. But the, I'm always that numbers guy that looks deep into things, and they're they're fairly even on on every aspect, except for two things. Philly has a more complete um, defensive line, but they have a more broken down offensive line. Kansas City has a decent defensive line, but they have a far superior offensive line. And so yeah. to me, that that points towards Kansas City. But, baby, my heart is – my my food in, is in Kansas City, but my heart is in Philly. I've been riding them all season uh, of their additions that they've made, and uh, I'm going to go with Philly. Yeah, for me, it's – my heart says Kansas City because of what – uh, mostly because of the experience the Chiefs have, uh, Andy Reid, Mahomes is Mahomes, and I mean they got they they're there, so they got a chance um, to to get it all done. But I think beyond that, um, but my my brain says to go with Philly. They're the more complete team. Uh, they've got the by far better defense in my mind. Um, they're amazing. Oh, gosh, it's so hard. So, I mean, they've got great <laughs> weapons. They run the ball pretty freaking awesome. I mean, they're they're a tight bunch. There's no question. And I think I think the Chiefs have the ability to win the game. I mean, it's not like it's like oh, it's going to be a blowout. But I just think that when it comes down to it, the more complete team. Oh gosh, you know what? I was going to say the Eagles, but I'm going Chiefs, baby. Going with Andy Reid. Going with Mahomes. You, you better pick do. the Chiefs, David. If you pick the Eagles, you you will not win the picks, right? Right, right. right. So go go Chiefs, baby. And if and the Chiefs win, Did, I'll hey, what's the standings? What's the standings so, of the picks? So that might have you, to switch. Nick, you and I are ahead by one game. We're tied. So we will have to come up with a tiebreaker since we picked the same. Oh, okay. Uh, and then if we lose and David wins, he's a game behind, so that'll tie us. So I think we should pick how much, what the margin of victory is, and we'll use that as our tiebreaker. You guys good with that? Sure. Okay. So what's the so okay so what are the so what's the score that you're saying? So are you saying that like the no closest margin, to the let's score? go margin of victory. Who's got the closest margin of victory? And I'll I'll go last. I'll let you guys pick first if you want. Go ahead, Nick. 
No, you got to go, Dave. You're behind oh. in the standings. <laughs> oh. You got to okay. pick last. So. Okay, okay. Margin of victory for me is going to be... Let's see here. Trying to think what I potentially so you keep all the hands. Uh, Come on. You know what? I'm going to say margin of victory is three. Three. Okay. What do you got, Nick? I'll say margin of victory is six. Ooh. I'm going to say 14 plus. 14 plus. Woo! Yeah. I'm going to call it. I'm calling it. All righty. Wait, wait, so what happens if it's over six, but closer to six? Whoever's the closest to the actual margin wins. Oh, okay, okay. So I'm 14, you're six, David's three. So whoever's close. So it's not like if if it's over, you know, mine, but within yours, you take the advantage type of thing? Whoever's closest, I think. Okay, sweet. Yeah. You good with that, Dave? Yeah, I'd say I'm good with that for sure. Okay. All right. Um, any any last thoughts before we move in? We're getting kind of long on the pod, so I'd say go Chiefs. Yeah, you know, and let's just move. Uh, let's let's uh, move on to quick takes. All right, I would like to lead off unless someone feels strongly. I'll go ahead. Okay, quick takes. I read this article. Um, when was that? Two days ago? No, yesterday. Uh, the article reads: Ten retired NFL players sues league's benefits plan. And uh, I want to read you a little clip, or I guess two little things in this article that really jumped out to me. Uh, let's see. So number one, Willis McGahee, first-round pick in 03, who spent 11 seasons in the NFL, said he had more than a dozen surgeries for football-related injuries and often needs help getting out of bed. He is 41 years old. Oh, my gosh. And the, the benefits are not covering his issues right now. Um, Eric Smith, who spent seven seasons with the New York Jets, said he struggles to play with his young sons and fears the dark moods. He, quote, says, there were times I would black out and wake up and I'm bleeding. There are holes in the wall. My wife and kids are crying. Smith said on a video conference call that included McGee and lawyers, I went down a dark path. If I ever hurt one of them in one of these cases, that's probably the end. Like, I'm done. Um, oh gosh, man. It's important to call out the shield. You know, uh, these guys, it's a brutal game. It takes a toll on their bodies. A lot of times we're just caught up in the, the fun, right? But we kind of don't keep track of the dark stuff that comes afterwards. Um, there's enough money in the NFL. We should be taking care of these guys. Hundred percent. Whatever, whatever's coming from that. Absolutely. You know, in high school, um, I ended up. You know, this hits hard for me because in, in high school I ended up fracturing my back, um, and had to relearn how to walk, and it was uh, very painful to to go through, and something that I actually deal with my for the rest of my life, uh, because I chose not to have surgery. Um, to heal with different um, kind of stimulating procedures and and, and uh, physical therapy and everything. and But my back is never, my lower part of the back has never been the same. But I remember the doctor coming in and him uh, like opening up the web and 
displaying like NFL players, college players and everything, a list of just pictures of people, whether they're paralyzed, um, they're, you know, have drug addiction uh, due to not making it to the NFL due to injuries. And they just, there's this huge dark world that happens to former NFL players, uh, sports in general and uh, addiction problems. And he just asked me, is it worth it? Because my, my, my mindset was, Oh, I have surgery. I go back. I want to play. Now, keep in mind, I undersized completely for a linebacker. I'm five, five, nine and a, and a quarter, you know, and usually you want to be like six, three, six, four. So there was no, the, the, I mean, it's already a, a margin of, of, uh, what is that? Yeah. Air? Yeah. Even making, right. Slim chance of you making it to the NFL, let alone being going to college on a scholarship or whatever. I, I would say it's, it's that same thing of getting the NFL, just getting to the college <laughs> for me. Yeah. No, but, for sure. I remember sitting there and so devastated about my, my life of realizing that this was not something that was going to be a possibility and having to just be like, is this worth it? And, and then as I've grown up seeing all these different cases of, of NFL players killing themselves uh, because of CTE and, and, and all of this stuff. I mean, even hearing you talk about that, Matt, of players that can't even at what is it? 41. He can't even play with his kids. He had help getting help out of bed. I mean, that's so heartbreaking. That just, and these are guys that we talk about. Like they're kind yeah. of like the you know reverend players of of when we grew up and and stuff. But they're humans, and yeah. to see that that they gave everything they had to play a game to be paid, but then the cost of that, and the fact that the NFL is just kind of like you know let's sweep this under the rug and go along with our business. You know, because we are a business. We're out here to make yep. money. Uh, it's it's sad. This is sad. Yep, yeah. I agree. Now that's that's so shocking. I, I just yeah, they there's no question they need to do something about that. That that's for sure. So, and on that note, <laughs> man, <laughs> what do you, get, what you guys got? <laughs> no, I guess I'll go. It's it's a more devastating note. And I'm probably going to get a lot of hate from viewers for saying that. I regret it. I regret when I said it, when it left my mouth, uh, based on the topic of what you're actually talking about and this. But my quick take is that, sadly, um, in 2024, Disney will be losing the private rights to Mickey Mouse. Oh. Yeah. In 2024, Steamboat Willie will no longer be exclusively owned by disney it will be and uh it'll be enter the public domain where anybody wow. can use its likeness name uh in every way to uh sell anything so are you oh. serious yep yeah Wait, yeah there is a limit on how long you can have uh private rights to things and it's been a long time so that's interesting 28 like so wow. what's the what's these like I don't know if you would call it statute of limitations, but like, like what, what's the law on this? Like when it comes to like, like, is it's it patent, really like... It's, it's patent law. You can only have, um, you can only have private exclusive rights of an idea for a defined period of time based on what kind of patent it is. Yeah. I think it's like a uh, hundred years. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And they filed the, the patent or whatever way before they started, or he was kind yeah. of introduced. I believe it was 1928 is when he had his first, feature film with synchronized sound 
Uh, yeah. But I believe they had the rights. Which know, I think you can watch. So, so what does that mean then? So that people can just use Mickey Mouse and anything that then? Yeah. Yep. So it doesn't belong example, to Disney anymore. I believe it's Winnie the Pooh. There's different companies that use Winnie the Pooh. Um, their likeness. I think there's a cricket commercial with um, Ryan Reynolds used, and they're using Winnie the Pooh. I think is an example wow. they gave. But uh, you, I mean, the global star of what Mickey Mouse is and and how that's going to become a public domain is an interesting I've heard rumors that Disney is going to be moving away from Mickey Mouse and using a different mascot what um, but that's just rumored there's been different uh, yeah news got stations or news areas that are have reported on that that's crazy I, I mean even with being public domain I mean you can't I mean it's that's what that that is Disneyland is Mickey Mouse. Yeah. yeah. And I've heard right, it's, it's uh, yeah, so it's uh, a sad day to to see that, them losing the public rights to that, because I think for myself, I'm a huge Disney fan. I don't think I've ever expressed it on this this uh, podcast, but Disney oh, was the good. one thing well, in my yeah. upbringing that was kind of saved me in a, in a lot of ways. And so Man. this is a sad day for me. Well, and for those uh, out there in podcast world, that might think, what, "What does this have to do with sports?" Well, Disney owns uh, ESPN, so. Oh, there yeah. you go. Got to connect <laughs> yeah. somehow. There you go. <laughs> All right. Okay, real, real quick. Yeah, mine will just be really quick. So, a quick, uh, which hey, quick takes, right? Um, so, yep. our mine is is highlighting Man City, Manchester City, being charged with oh, over a yeah. hundred bre- uh, breaches, hundred counts. Of, of breaking financial rules from 2009 to 2018. And just to, you know, to, uh, I mean, to highlight them just real quick, I mean, Manchester City is a, it has been a dominant force in English football for, in recent years, winning six titles since they were taken over by the Abu Dhabi United Group in 2008. So basically what's, what they're Which being charged... Which is controlled by the ruling class of the United Arab Emirates. Exactly, You're right. Yeah, so big money. This, uh, big, huge money. So basically, uh, just to kind of quickly go over what happened, what, what they what they were what they're being charged with. So, so there's basically two main areas that they're being charged with. First, there's accusations against Manchester City that they've artificially inflated the money coming into the club, with particular, uh, especially with commercial and spo- uh, uh, sponsorship deals. So, and the Premier League appears to to be claiming that the money was actually coming from the club owner, which is the uh, uh, which is the, uh, uh, the Abu Dhabi uh, United Group. And, Sheikh uh, Mansour is his name. He's the ruling guy who controls the group. Right. Hey, Wait. so really quick, just to kind of add something here, because I actually was just listening to this. So as far as this goes, right, in in big soccer, there's no, like, salary cap or anything oh. like that. Yeah, I was going right? to that. Oh, yeah, sorry. Go, go ahead. Oh, no, go, go for it. Oh, my bad, my bad. So the, really what it comes down to is they're not allowed to spend more money than they bring in through you know game revenue tv rights and sponsorships right right and uh sounds like they've been artificially pretending money's coming in through sponsors which is actually from like the multi-trillionaire family that runs the club which is illegal and yeah so they've been spending like crazy like nobody else can keep up with and And that's uh, and that's the thing because the other part of the charges is basically that they were deflating the cost of running the club 
by having managers on contracts with another company connected to the owners, so that only so that so they only put through a small element of the true cost of the club itself on the books. Right, which is huge. I mean, because it's like yeah. because the whole point of it's so, so UEFA is um, what that stands for is a Union of European Football Associations. So they came out with this in. Uh, they came out it's called uh, ffp which is the financial yeah. fair play regulations and the whole idea behind this was is that is that uh is that they were worried uh that the uh, ufo was essentially was worried that a lot of teams were were they they had a lot of financial problems that might threaten their long-term survival like in existence because basically yeah. what teams do is they'll 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 just they'll go all in and just pay, spend all this money for I mean whether it be transfer fees whether it be uh, just you know things for their stadiums all these different things like essentially going crazy into debt and not and, and being actually in the negative I mean at the end of the season I mean there's been there's plenty of examples before this came into play there were teams that were that were like losing so much money I mean even one that I saw uh, when Barcelona I was- example we can talk another day about them but big club overspend put themselves in crazy bad yeah. situations. Well, yeah. And then regarding, we'll see in there to keep it in the premier league, just real quick, the West Ham United. So uh, between 2005 and 2010, here's a stat for you. West Ham United, who's in the premier league recorded an aggregate net loss of 90.2 million euro. I mean, which is insane. I mean, it's, it's just like, it's just the money they're losing because that they're willing to lose. Cause they feel like they're overspending. So basically, when the financial uh, fair play regulation was put in place, it was not only protecting clubs to give them the ability to, to not overspend, so that they put themselves in the hole and essentially risk, you know, you know, uh, you know, survival of the club financially, but it yeah. also, as I said, it is somewhat of a cap to a certain extent because you're basically making sure teams are spending within their means and are and are at a certain point. But what makes this yeah. so egregious is the fact that they're they're essentially lying about the money that they're spending and they will put more and more and more money than everyone else and separating themselves out from the other clubs. I mean, you look at this. I mean, think about it. I mean, the Manchester City, I mean, they, they won. Uh, where's it at here? What did I say? Um, oh, they've won uh, since the Abu Dhabi group took over 2008. They've won six league titles in that time, which is a yeah. significant amount. And over, I mean, and they've well, and, and really quick, they put so much money into players. Like the joke has been the last probably three, four years in the Prem League, is uh-huh. that man's in the league if they played by themselves. <laughs> like yeah. that's how deep and how much money they put into that team, and it's just crazy. And, and they're saying, I mean, because this this actually all started because it came back. Uh, it came out in. Uh, Let's see. I think it was. Oh gosh, where was it at? Oh, so so there were some published like leaked documents back in 2018 by a German newspaper alleging that Man City was inflating the value of, their, of a sponsorship sponsorship deal and deliberately yeah. misleading UEFA so they could meet those rules, which require the clubs to break even, essentially, kind of thing. But four <laughs> years later, now they're coming out with all the basically wanting to charge them and and Man City, they're basically saying. Well, you know, like we're kind of surprised by this. Like, you know, why now? Like, where did mean, this come from? Yeah, yeah, where did this come from? And and of course, just playing kind of kind of playing stupid. Like, no, like we've been doing our thing. I don't understand why they're not coming at this. But but I think the significance is like if this if this comes to fruition to the point where they prove that this is true, 
uh, that it actually didn't happen. Not only does it have a huge, make huge ripples uh, across the Premier League, but even worldwide, truthfully, when it comes to different clubs, when it comes to different rules and regulations that they have as well. Because, I mean, yeah. when you, I mean, because that's when you start looking at other teams. What, is there any other teams that have been doing this kind of crap? And, yeah. uh, and there I mean, are. There's rumors that there are other yeah. big teams. So it, it's a huge deal, not to mention the fact that, I mean, this can even lead up potentially. I mean, you've got fines and, and like, you know, like, you know, uh, you know, banned from, uh, you know, from di- different like, you know, uh, amount of games or league or like different tournaments. But I mean, it, it potentially could lead to the expulsion of Man City from the Premier League. And that's a and huge not only the, deal. Not only the Premier League, they're talking like, so in football, there's like five main tiers in England, right? So five leagues. Mm-hmm. There's a chance that they would be kicked below the English leagues to like non-league football. So that'd be like the sixth best league in England would be how low they could end up going. It's crazy. Right. So I mean, it's, so when I saw that, like, honestly, initially I was kind of like, huh, what's, you know, you know, financial things, you know, teams, you know, things, you know, scandals take place, whatever. But I started reading up on it. I was like, oh my gosh, like the actual like ramifications of what they did. I mean, if, if true, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. allegations right now. Uh, they, uh, they, they have uh, put, put it out there uh, for sure uh, at this point. Um, so, because they, they just recently, it was on Mondays when they actually stated released this all that. kind of thing, yeah. when they released the information about it. So it's, it, the investigation is going to be gone for some, quite some time. And not to mention, there's a lot of talk I mean, of this, uh, of bringing a third party and like third party arbitrator of sorts to really uh, sure. investigate what's happening. So, cause you know, obviously the premier league, you know, there's question marks even about them when it comes to like investigating certain things. So to really get down to the nitty gritty of this, but this, but like I said, I mean, my quick take, I guess, is just like, Oh my gosh. I mean, talk about affecting, you know, like the equity of play. I mean, that'd be like, I mean, can you imagine something like that happened in the NFL? Like, play, you yeah, know, no, like, it's nuts. Like it just and some one of the other charges is uh, they're talking about sounds like they're playing payers, uh, paying players. There we go. Um, like a side contract too. Uh-huh. So it'd be like Tom Brady signs for Tampa Bay for like a record amount of money, but then like through a company, we're going to pay Tom Brady another record deal, but it's through a company. So it's not under the cap. Right. It's, it's not, that's it's not us paying about. that. Like it's someone yeah. else. Like that's not it's us. It's nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. So all I, I got to say to all this is United, United. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, well, well, on that note, um, I'm psyched about the Super Bowl. Can't wait to talk with you guys about it afterwards. Um, but I got to go. So peace out, Girl Scouts. Peace right, out, guys. Yeah. Good talking. Bye. Yeah.